the hard truth is, in the years to come, you're going to be doing much more of it across the computers we're doing now mm -hmm. than you did before the pandemic. We've already seen the advantages of not having to travel, not having to pay for hotels and to take all that time in order to go to where somebody else is, whether it's a conference or an association meeting. We're learning the advantages of not having to do that. And so going forward, we're going to be taking advantage of that. And the people who can do that better will stand out and be more successful. It's going to be a competitive advantage for now, but there's going to come a time where that's going to be table stakes. You're going to have to look good. You're going yeah. to have to be able to engage with people. That's just going to be normal business requirement, just like being able to talk on a phone. But for now, you can get a jump on everybody within your company, outside your company, your competition, your other speakers, whatever it may be, by being better at this. And that's where, that's where the payoff comes. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with me today, as always. And I've got a great episode for you. I've got a great guest with me today. Today, I've got Alfred Poor with me, and we're going to be talking all about speaking and using your voice and sharing your message. I met Alfred. I was actually on his podcast several months ago, and I'm going to link that episode up in the show notes. And our work is very aligned. So, you know, we hit it off, and I wanted to bring him over and have a conversation with him here on the Captivate the Room show. And I know you're going to really enjoy hearing from him. I want to let you know that he has a free training coming up on March 17th. And I would love for you to attend. I'm going to put the link in the show notes where you can sign up. I would love for you to join him. He really has some valuable information to share around sharing your message. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Alfred Poor, he's a technology speaker and author with an international reputation. He's also an expert on helping other people look and sound great on Zoom meetings and virtual events. He works with speakers, coaches, business owners, sales staff, and industry leaders to become more effective at engaging people in online meetings and getting their message across. He believes in making incremental improvements to produce big changes without spending a lot of time or money. And he has a wealth of information and golden nuggets to share with you today. I know you're going to love this episode. And even if you're not in the corporate space, or even if you're not really doing virtual events or Zoom meetings right now, I promise you, they are not going away. And we're going to talk about that. So let's head on over to the show. Alfred, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with me today. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. 
Well, you know, I really enjoyed being on your show a few months back and and we're so aligned in the things that we do. And I wanted you to come on the show and it took a little while for us to get connected. And, and I have to tell you, I started doing some research on you to prepare for the show and you do a lot of things. I, I, I've had a checkered past, I think is one way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I know of you from your work with speakers, which is definitely where I want to put the priority of the conversation. But there's this whole other brilliant side of your work that I, I guess I knew about in a way, just because of a couple of things you said to me in our in our interview before. But Tell me about the other work that you do. I want sure. to learn more. Sure. Well, I, I think one of the key points is I've got a very strong technology background. Um, I, I wrote for PC Magazine for over 20 years. I was a contributing editor with them. I was the, their chief person for display technology. So I'm I'm used to digging in kind of deep on a lot of how things work. But I've, I've always been more focused I've called myself the, the somebody who's interested in between the glass and the nose. I don't care what's happening in the box behind there. I mean, that's all interesting, but what's it going to do for me? How's it going to help me? How is it going to make my job easier, my life better? And that's what I've tried. You know, I tried to convey to, to the readers in the magazine and have been doing ever since. But so there was a time when the computer you wanted cost $3,000 and People really cared about which one was best. Then the computer cost $300 and people didn't care so much. <laughs> and so PC magazines were went down. I mean, they, it, it still exists online, but it's not printed as a magazine anymore. And that whole side of the business is, has changed a lot. So when that ended for me, I started working on displays because people were, that was when we were getting into flat screen televisions and people didn't know what a plasma was or an LCD and how do I get high definition and what is that? And, so I had a good five-year run helping people straighten that stuff out. And again, the $5,000 flat panel turned into a $500 flat panel and people didn't care which one was best so much anymore. And then I started working with health tech, wearables and mobile devices to help people be healthier and deal with chronic disease and pain and so forth. So I'm, I'm actually the editor and publisher of a site called Health Tech Insider that covers these kinds of products. And so it, it's in that my speaking these days primarily is on health tech related topics. There's a range of things that are aging in place, helping elderly continue to live safely in their own homes independently for, for as long as they can. There's a lot of ways that technology can help them and their caregivers and their families be more comfortable with them doing that. Employee fitness programs, ways to improve a business's productivity and retention while helping control healthcare costs. Uh, again, the wearables and things like that can play a role in that. So those are some of the kinds of things that I talk about. Wow, that I, that is fascinating. And at the tail end of our conversation, you said something to me that I believe that I, didn't shock me at all. And I believed it. I believe that that is exactly what happens. You said they, through our voice they're able to detect, I can't remember if you said disease or if it was COVID, but, but it, I, I immediately was hooked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's some very interesting work that's done there. Um, some different projects. One of the early ones was an Australian company that you could take a recording of your child's cough 
and the application would be able to diagnose whether it was pneumonia or just a, a, a cough or could be asthma just from the sound recording. But now there have been some experimental projects that could identify COVID. Some of the really interesting ones are the mental health ones where just listening to a, a sample of your voice, not necessarily saying any specific words, but just hearing you talk, they can, it can, it can diagnose um, depression, anxiety, stress, and, and, you know, help, help identify people who, who might need help. That's incredible. And that is truly the power of the sounds in our voice. The Stanford study on uh, lawsuits against surgeons is literally exactly like what you're talking about. So super powerful, cool work that they're doing. And, and, and were you always a speaker in all these realms? Did you go talk about computers? And I mean, how long have you been speaking? Oh, third grade. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in third grade, I gave a talk for all the parents in costume about um, James Watt, who invented the steam engine. Oh, wow. And I only had a certain amount of time. And I did this big elaborate diagram to show what he invented. And I had it folded up behind my back when I went out on stage. And I gave my speech and came back off that stage. And I'd never, never brought out my diagram. Oh, my God. So that was, so that was my first fail in public speaking. But of course, <laughs> the lesson was everybody thought it was great. Yeah. And they didn't notice that I didn't open up the, the diagram. And... You know, they didn't know what I didn't do. And right. and so that actually was one of those fundamental speaking lessons that, you know, we've all been told, but I was able to learn that at a very, very young age, young and yeah. tender. And were you hooked from third grade on? Um, Did you enjoy it? I've always been on the extroverted side, mm-hmm. you know, enjoyed performing music. I've played in bands and, and other kinds of things. I didn't think of making speaking a, a part of my business until... 10 years ago or so. Yeah. Because the writing was all was plenty, you know, and mm-hmm. I was that was very successful for me. I did a lot of speaking when I was a writer. Uh, obviously, as a, a writer for PC magazine and some other publications, that, there were conferences that were I was in demand that they you know, had me come in as a keynote or a dinner speaker or whatever. And so all that was done pro bono, you know, oh, okay. flag. But, you know, it was all good experience and and I've also done TV and radio. I was co-host of a radio show in New York City for about eight years. The, oh, the technology wow. I show. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. That's oh, I bet that was fun. That that was fun, and that's I'm very comfortable with extemporaneous. Yeah. So we had the first half of the show was news and discussion about the current events and technology, but the second half was all uh, listener call in, mm. and you have no idea what they're going to, no. you know, what it's going to be, and I I love that. Uh, that yeah. was just interacting with people and and being able to respond to what they cared about and trying to help them sort out the problems. Uh, troubleshooting, obviously, was a big one. Yeah. Um, and I've actually had a couple books, written a couple books about technology troubleshooting. So this was yeah something I I enjoyed doing. Well, for I for think- a while, I was the dear Abby of uh, the computer business. No I, kidding. Yeah, I had I had a couple question and answer columns. The the big one was in the magazine called Computer Shopper. But it was one of the best read sections of the magazine. It's one of the things people turn to every month. See, I bet for you, you have to be careful who you give your phone number to. <laughs> <laughs> like, like somebody like me be like, 
Hey, yeah. Alfred, just uh, how you doing? Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Wanted to... So the conversation goes, I want to hire you to fix my computer for me. And the answer is you can't afford it. <laughs> I'll do it for free, but there's not enough money to pay me to do that for you. Really? Well, I don't want to yeah. be responsible. I don't want yeah. somebody yeah. calling me up at two o'clock in the morning and saying, you know, that thing you fixed, it's not working. Uh, you get right. paid for it, you're on the hook. Right. You do it for free. Right. You know, it's, it's, uh, sorry, you know, I did what I could. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're writing, you're speaking, you're doing all these things and then the pandemic hits. Right. And then and, what happens? Well, what I noticed was that a lot of the speakers in the different communities that I'm part of, a speakers bureau, some Facebook groups, some LinkedIn groups, I started seeing them saying, well, you know, this got event got canceled, that event got canceled. And then the messages turned to, well, my last event for all of 2020 just got canceled. So I guess I'm taking the rest of the year off. And this was like back in March. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, people were saying, well, you know, everything shut down. I'll just wait till 2021 comes and everything will come back to normal and we'll be all right, which mm -hmm. isn't what happened. And no. And now it looks like 2022 is not going to start off any better. Um, oh, because of the new variant? Because of the new variant. A number of events, big events, Davos, the, the big yeah. multinational finance meeting, yeah. they just canceled that. <gasps> no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, you know. So here we go again. So here we go again. Um, yeah, the, the uh, National Hockey League just suspended like, <gasps> games for a while. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so conferences are shutting back down. We're going virtual yep. again. And even if the conferences aren't shutting down, a lot of people are having trouble traveling oh, between countries. So right. they can't make it. And or just personally, for whatever reason, you know, they'll choose not to go because they don't want to take on the added risk. Yeah. Um, and so I know somebody, the Consumer Electronics Show, CES, is in Las Vegas every year. It's the giant mm -hmm. electronics mm -hmm. show. Friend of mine is very active in helping put together some of the the programs, and she's having speakers canceling right mm -hmm. and left, and she's scrambling trying to find people who are available and and willing to fill in. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's a strange time. Well, so anyhow, go back a year and a half to March of mm -hmm. of uh, 2020, and these speakers are saying, "Well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do now because you know my business is shot for the year," and I've been doing virtual for eight years or more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I, I put on my own webinars. I've been a paid speaker, other companies, webinars and things. I've produced events. I've mm -hmm. produced three-day summits for a group of speakers. I, in fact, this year, I also produced a series of online trade shows for some consumer electronics companies. Oh, cool. Yeah, with, you know, they have the virtual booths and yeah, you come in and awesome. talk to them and see all their stuff. Yeah. So that was a, a big challenge and, and a lot of fun. But so I'm, you know, I've got some chops in this this area. Yeah. So I've, my, I'm a rising tide raises all boats kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I saw all these speakers having this reaction, my response was, well, I, I know some things you can do about being better on online and also being more comfortable about speaking online. And so I started offering some free sessions, free, free workshops for speakers. And they went over really well. But in the course of that, I discovered that I had way more than would fit into just yeah. one hour. Yeah. And so that's when I started thinking about, you know, how can I expand this? How can I offer a more complete package that, that will help people? 
but I'm, I'm still doing the free ones. Every month I offer a free demonstration about things you can do to make oh, your, cool. your presentations a lot better. So let me step back just a second. Sure. You were already involved before the pandemic. You were already doing, you were not only just speaking, but you were very involved in speaker communities and speaker groups. And you were already doing all the things right. speaker related. It was just the pandemic itself that made you realize, okay, we're moving online. People are struggling. You've got a gift to share and you started sharing it, but then it, turned into something bigger, right. which is what I know of. This is this to me is, is what I think of when I think of you. So tell, tell us all the things that you, this, this blossomed into this, what you started out as I'm going to help these people out with some free training right. is now. Speaker springboard. Speaker springboard. Um, yep. And basically my concept is, you know, no matter where you are in the process and no matter what your budget and your experience, you can make incremental improvements, right? I talk about the pointless pursuit of perfection. Mm -hmm. We all know people who are mm -hmm. frozen because mm -hmm. they don't want to do it until they're good at it. Yeah. Whatever it may be, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to cook dinner for anybody until I'm an accomplished chef, right? Yeah. Um, I don't want to play tennis until I can hold my own in a game. And that's not, that's not the best strategy. I mean, the strategy is get started yeah. and then, then figure out what are the places where you can make those incremental improvements that are going to make you better and better. And it, it doesn't have to take a lot of time. doesn't have to take a lot of money. You just have to be smart about it and know what, know where the, the opportunities are to make improvements. Yeah. So do you just work with people? And, and I don't mean just like, oh, you just do that. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Right. Do you, I know you coach speakers, but do you also help? Is it is a part of that in instructing people how to get into conferences? And tell me more about the actual so, in the game. What do you do there? So I don't focus so much about how to do the business of speaking. Okay. There are others out there. Yeah. who are way better at that than I am. The David Newmans, the Lois Kramers, you know, mm -hmm. people who I have enormous respect for and who do a great job at that. Mm -hmm. I've got a narrower focus. I mean, you know, they say yeah. get a niche. So for me, it's the, the technical and the strategic parts of online presentation that I focus on. Mm -hmm. And it's not just speakers. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Because I mean, you think about speakers, but it's basically, I pitch it as anybody who needs to talk to people. Uh, okay. okay. And yeah. it can be groups of people. It can be one-on-one, -on -one. but the hard truth is in the years to come, you're going to be doing much mm -hmm. more of it across the computers we're doing now mm -hmm. than you did before the pandemic. Well, Even the when things get back to normal, whatever normal might turn right. out to be. Right. We've already seen the advantages of not having to travel, mm -hmm. of you know, not having to pay for hotels and to you know take all that time in order to go to where somebody else is, whether it's a conference or an association meeting or a sales meeting or a regional meeting within your company. We're learning the advantages of not having to do that. And so going forward, we're going to be taking advantage of that. And the people, the way I put it is for now, people who can do that better will stand out yeah. and be more successful. It's going to be a competitive advantage for now, 
but there's going to come a time pretty quick, two years from now, three years from now, where that's going to be table stakes. You're going to have to look good. You're going to have to be able to engage with people. You're going to have to, you know, that's just going to be normal business requirement, just like being able to talk on a phone. But for now, you, you can get a jump on everybody within your company, outside your company, your competition, your other speakers, whatever it may be, by being better at this. And that's where, that's where the payoff comes. Well, and I don't, from the the data that I'm seeing and what, what I'm looking at, I don't feel like it's really optional anymore. Yeah. I, I think that's what I hear you saying is, okay, you can stall a little bit longer, but there's going to be somebody that's working on it now. Yep. And if it comes down to them or you and they can get on this thing and shine and y'all are equal as far as ability and, and they're going to go with the one that is comfortable on video and can really bring bring it to life. So this is one that you're going to appreciate. Okay. I believe the study was done by Stanford. They took a bunch of speakers and recorded their presentations. And then they took those same presentations and they degraded the sound quality. Mm -hmm. They made it harder to hear what they were saying. Mm -hmm. And they showed it to test audiences. Mm -hmm. And watching the exact same people deliver the exact same content, when the sound quality wasn't as good, the audience reaction was, well, that person's not as smart. They don't know as much. That content wasn't as valuable. And it was exactly the same. And it was exactly the same content. Wow. Right. So. Yeah, I do love that. I'm going to have to borrow that, Alfred. I'm going to have to borrow that. Yeah, absolutely. So so the point of this is, now, you know, I'm the first one to say, nobody went to Stephen Hawkins to hear his oratory. Mm -hmm, (laughs) No, mm -hmm. they went to hear his content and they were willing to put up with a lot to hear what he was saying. His brilliance. But. We're not, I'm not Stephen Hawkins. Right. And if I want to engage my audience, if I want to keep them, keep their attention, I need to up my game. Yeah. You know, they need to be able to hear me. They need to be able to see me. And my information needs to be presented in a way that they don't have to work hard at engaging with it. You just nailed it. And this is something that I say a lot to my people that have English as a second language. They are people with an accent. They worry about their accent. And is my accent a problem? And I will say your accent is only a problem if it's a problem. And what I mean is if I have to work hard and that's across the board because we won't anymore. No, I don't think we ever did. Really? Yeah. And one of my favorite hobby horses these days is everybody's complaining about Zoom fatigue. Mm-hmm. I don't think Zoom fatigue exists. Mm. I think that? I think it's a myth. Mm-hmm. I think there's bad Zoom fatigue, mm-hmm. just as uh, it's, uh-huh. just as there yeah. is bad meeting fatigue. Yeah. People yeah. don't like to go to bad meetings, <laughs> right. right? They don't. But if you have somebody who knows how to organize and run a meeting and you know yeah. get the job done and not waste anybody's time, I'll go to their meetings. You know, I can name on one hand, the four or five people who could call a meeting tomorrow and I would go because Mm -hmm. I just would have such faith that it was not going to be a waste of my time that was going to be productive. And, you know, it wasn't, wouldn't be just to take up time and space. And I think that's what's going on with Zoom. We've just Mm -hmm. had so many Zoom meetings 
It's not yeah. that they're Zoom meetings. It's that they're not good. They're not engaging. So if I called a meeting, would you come to mind? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I made the cut. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's, I think you're exactly right. And it really can be microscopic down to vocal energy. If I'm just muddling through the whole thing and my, you know, I mean, then you're having to work to even figure out what I'm saying. And we won't yep. do that. Goes back yep. to that. And, and it's probably makes you crazy because there are actual techniques where you don't have to do it that way. Well, one of the things that I talk about a lot that a lot of people don't think about is how you frame your image mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a call. And there are a lot of people because they're using their notebook computer and the cameras close enough to them that they can type on the computer while they're mm -hmm. looking. They're also looking down at it. So you get that up the nose. Oh view, which yeah. I, I have not found anyone where that's particularly flattering yet. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but so they're, they're close. So they're, they're framed like this. Uh -huh. And if I were to get that close to you now, you would feel like I'm invading your space. Right. It's, it's a violation of personal space. And, yeah. and your audience's reaction is going to be immediately to try to start backing off from you. Yeah. And that's absolutely the wrong dynamic that you want. Yeah. And so one of the things I recommend is you watch television, look at your favorite news channel. The presenters right. are not all squeezed up like this. Right. They're also not way down at the bottom of the frame like this. <laughs> that, one, that one drives me nuts. Yeah, but people yeah. do that all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you'll notice that, you know, they've got their torso showing. For mm -hmm. me, the minimum is down to the bottom of your sternum, you know, the, mm -hmm. the bottom of your rib cage here. Mm -hmm. You want to have at least that much showing. And if you can get down towards the belt buckle, you know, that's, that's even better. There, yeah. there actually have been psychological studies that the speaker is present, perceived to be more engaging and more trustworthy the more the torso is visible. Wow. I, it seems like maybe I've heard that. That is fascinating. Isn't it? Well, so so what do you then think about people? Who, and I know you talk about, I'm sure you talk about this in your programs, people that don't turn the camera on. There's two things that I hear from my people a lot that I want you to address. And one of them is, well, yeah, but they don't turn their camera on. It depends on the situation. Okay. If we were having this conversation and you had your camera off, it would be more difficult for me to converse with sure. you. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if I'm giving a, a presentation where I'm conveying information to you as I might in a webinar or, you know, mm -hmm. sales meeting or, or something like that, think about it. When you're doing that in person, you don't bring the audience all up on stage where everybody's staring at them. Right. right. That's true. Right? That's true. They're, they're sitting down and they're receiving. And yeah. so, yeah, I'd like to be able to see the audience. I get some energy off of that. I get some, some feedback and some reactions and, you know, can sense how it's going, but I don't think it's right to put the audience on screen when you're making that kind of presentation. So it depends on the context. Yeah. Okay. But, but if you're just an audience listening, I'm absolutely turning your camera off. So then let me put a spin on this because, and I, and I, I think you alluded to this earlier, and I think we're probably in agreement on this. Everything truly is speaking. Yes. Right. Whether you're doing the I'm the keynote or whether you're saying your update in a meeting, it's still speaking. Yes. Right. So let's put this in a speaking in a meeting perspective. Mm -hmm. 
or I'm teaching a group perspective or we're having a meeting and five of the people have their camera off. See, people struggle with it. You know, is that just an excuse or what? But that seems to be a real bone of contention. What do you think about that? Again, so it's, it's the context. What's, what's the purpose of the meeting? But if this is a, you know, a staff meeting, this is a group training where you expect them to participate. Absolutely. You know, not only would I not have them turn their camera off, but I'd go full Brady Bunch and have, yeah. you know, everybody mm-hmm. equal size square so that, you know, you can see everybody and engage with them more. And and so one of the important points to remember is about engagement is people want to be seen. They want to be seen and heard, mm-hmm. not, you know, passively, but they, you know, they want to be recognized. That's why we, when we were speakers, we say, oh, how many people are here from out of town or, you know, mm-hmm. all those hand raising things yeah. just to get people involved in doing something, but also, you know, to sort of say, yeah, I see you. This is, you know, this is what you're thinking. This is who you are. And I think that's important. So I would say for those kinds of meetings, go full Brady Bunch, put everybody in the grid, but then make use of that. Don't just mm-hmm. set that up and leave them hanging. Mm-hmm. Do things that are going to give them the opportunity to show why they're on screen. Right. You know, don't right. just use them as a prop. Right. Okay. So the other thing I hear, and let's see what you have to say about this, is Tracy, how, what do I do when I know they're multitasking? They're so, playing games or whatever. What do, what do I, that makes people so crazy, right? A couple of things. What do you do when you're on stage? Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been seeing that on stage for years. Sure. Now, I was told a long, long time ago by somebody I trust that if you can reach 60% of your audience, that's a grand slam. Wow. Okay. Right? Pick a book, any book, and then take 100 people. Are they all going to like that book? Right. Good no. point. No. I mean, Mm-mm. that content's not going to speak to all of them. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and as good as I am, I know that what I have to say, some people already know it. Some people don't care whatever reason they have, you know, they're going to tune out and that's okay. You know, yeah. I'm, I don't shoot for a hundred percent. Okay. That would be wonderful. But yeah, that pointless pursuit of perfection. Yeah. Um, okay. Know, the five people in that room who really need to hear me. Yeah. If, if I can give those five people what they need, I'm happy. Now yeah. I'd like it to be more, but sure. So, so that's the first part. And then the second part is the reason you know, think about why they're turning away. Think about what they're, you know, what you're doing that is encouraging them to stop paying attention. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites is, let me put my entire speech on my PowerPoint. Uh-huh. And now I will read it to you point by point, mm-hmm. you know, and they see the screen go up, they scan it, they think they know what you're going to say, and they tune yeah. out until the next slide appears. Yeah. That's why my slides often don't have any words at all. Yeah. You know, Steve Jobs. Think back, you know, he had yeah, a giant yeah. image and maybe mm-hmm. he'd have one or two words. Yeah. And you would, you know, right. What does that mean? You have to wait until he explains the context and how mm-hmm. that all fits together. Yeah. So it's almost the the lazy way to do it. Right. right. You know, and the truth of the matter is, is, and or at least this is what I think is it becomes a crutch. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about, but as soon as that's there, something yeah. in the brain says, oh, we read that to them. Yep. Yep. And I can see where that's a and, huge turn. And even if you don't read it to them, they're reading it to themselves. Right. And assuming that they know what you're going to say. Right. 
Right. And so, and that's one of the, what I would call the more strategic sides of things. Yeah. Knowing how to organize your presentation, knowing what to put on the slides and what not to put on the slides. Yeah. You know, I think those are important skills and there's nothing magic about it, but you just need to understand. And it runs counter to what everybody has ever seen, right. you know, what, what you see 90% of the time, what you've been told to do and, and all yeah. that stuff. And frankly, without having your speech on the slides, it's more work. Yeah, for sure. You know, you for sure. I mean, one of the things, one of the big hobby horses for me is rehearsing. Mm. You know, so many people say, well, I've got my speech. I know what I'm going to say. I've got my slides. Yeah, I don't have to rehearse this. You know, I'm, I'm all set. I'm good to go. Musicians don't do that. Right. When I'm learning a new song, I'm all cramped mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. worried about what the next chord is and what the words are and all this stuff. Play that song 10, 20, 30 times. Mm-hmm. Then I begin to sort of have that feel of what comes next. And, mm-hmm. and I have the flow and I, I know how it's going to go. I mean, it's if you have a favorite CD mm-hmm. and you're listening to it and one song ends, you know what the next song is before it yeah. even starts because it's it's in your head and right. it's just part of the flow. If you're going to be a good speaker, you need to get to that point with your speech. The free webinar that I give every month. I did it eight or nine times mm-hmm. before I showed it to anybody. Mm. Right. And I'm still getting better at it. Sure. Even after all these times that I've done it. So those PowerPoint slides with all the words on it are more than a crutch. You know, they enable you to not be prepared. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you said runs counter to what we see. And I think that is so critical. I will constantly say, I'm going to go against what the world told you to do. Yep. Because it, you know, it's like, oh, well, that guy did it that way. So I guess we do it that way. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the best way. Right. Right? And and even if your way, the different way is is no better, though I'd argue that it, it usually is. Mm-hmm. Different in its own self, its own way is engaging. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. This is not yes. what I expected. What's going to happen next? You know, something's going on here that's not what I'm used to. Right. You know, so the audience is going to pay more attention. Yeah. Unpredictability. That's yeah. how you captivate the room, is being unpredictable. I remember at a very staid professional organization, technology organization, and there was a series of presentations. And most of them were the typical bar charts about sales and Mm. forecasts and predictions. And this one guy got up, he had about a five minute talk. And I would say he probably had 40 or 50 slides in that five (laughs) minutes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was breathtaking. It was just, I mean, it was really well organized and he, mm-hmm. he was really good at it, but it was just like bang, 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 bang. You know, mm-hmm. you got to really pay close attention to keep up with me because here's where the point's going. It yeah. was amazing. It huh. was amazing. And again, it was, it broke expectations. It wasn't what, you know, right. We wasn't what everybody else did. Yeah. 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 And I think that's so key. Okay. So I know I'm not going to be able to keep you much longer. So let me Let me ask you this. What is the biggest mistake or the piece of advice that you have to give the most to people doing Zoom? Better sound. Ah, okay. Okay. This all comes back to what we were talking about Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. If people have to work to get what you're saying, they're going to tune out. 
and the, they'll put up with just about anything except bad sound. Yeah. Right. Right. You tune out immediately. Yeah. Okay. So I urge people not to use the microphone <laughs> that's in their laptop. Oh, right. Right. I mean, yeah. For less than a hundred dollars, you can get a nice microphone like mm-hmm. I'm using that just plugs right into your USB port. There's nothing fancy or technical or tricky about it, mm-hmm. but you get much better sound quality. Yeah. And people can hear you and it's distinct and sharp. This one's not so good if you have a noisy environment around you, but mm-hmm. there are other choices you can get that are good at that. Yeah. I have a direct, I have a directional where it, mm-hmm. I have an ATR yep. 2500, just go straight in. Yeah. But they're so cheap now, but just they are like cheap. everything else, you yep. know? And that's why I say, you know, you, you don't have to have a big budget mm-hmm. to, to make these kinds of improvements to make it better. Yeah. So that's, that's the main thing. Okay. What is, so we've got the speaker springboard podcast, right? And you give all kinds of, you have guests on the show, yep. obviously, and you do a yep. lot of, the podcast is primarily interesting stuff that's not necessarily about speaking. Okay. It's content that I believe will be of interest to the speakers, the business owners, the industry leaders, the coaches who are my market. Interest things that I think that they will find interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, so you know, you were on and talking about the importance of voice and 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 how learning to use your voice more effectively is is essential. But I also had a magician on talking okay. about you know engagement with audiences and um you know one of the interesting things about a magician is he comes out on stage and essentially says i'm gonna lie to you yeah yeah that's you know i'm you know i'm going to lie and i know that you know i'm Mm -hmm. going to lie so it's okay you know we've sort of made that social contract but you know very interesting thing you know implications for how you communicate with your audience Mm -hmm. so it's it's all kinds of things but then speakerspringboard.com is where you find information about the course speakerspringboard.com slash demonstration is where you can sign up for the free monthly, monthly demonstration session. Okay. But you have a course too. So the course, yeah, but the course runs through the demonstration. Ah, okay. And and the reason for that is again, I'm sure you've spent money on training and coaching and that didn't necessarily pan out. To, oh, yeah. to be what we you all expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for me, just from an ethical mm-hmm. perspective, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I want to be treated, I want to treat the people I work with the way I would like to be treated. Yeah. And so for the course, I want people to have a, a conversation with me. Yeah. And and just so we can find out where are you now? You know, it may well be that you sh- you need to go somebody else for training at the point you're at, you know, yeah. like we were saying, the business of being a speaker. That's got to come first. Right. Right. Okay. There's no point in getting better at a speaker if you don't have a, a way to make, make a return on that. Right. But, but for, you know, for the coaches, for the salespeople, who, for the, the business owners who already have an audience or experience, they have content, they have persuasion that they're trying to get across to audiences, whether it's one-on-one or you know, to a group, those people, I believe I can help. And so let's talk about that and find out whether this is a, a fit for you and whether you're going to get enough out of it to make it worth it. Yeah. Okay. So people that are interested in working with you, learning more mm-hmm. about you, they they want to come to the demonstration first. They, they can come to the demonstration. They can also just reach out to me directly. Oh, okay. It's Alfred okay. at alfredpoor.com. 
Okay. And I'd and be what, happy to talk to them. One of the things that I don't talk about a lot in the uh, on the speaker springboard, but you know, a lot of companies are now doing a lot more virtual. So if you oh, have yeah. a team, mm-hmm. you know, I can work up some bespoke custom work with you to focus on specific areas for your team that you know, help you identify where the most leverage improvements are. So you don't have to go through the whole course. Oh, okay. You know, know, we may be able to come in and, you know, highlight three or four things that everybody in the team can do right off the bat and get better. Yeah. And and again, I've got mechanical things you can do like lighting and cameras and microphones and all that. But then the strategic side, you've got how you organize your presentation, Mm -hmm. engagement techniques, how to build your slides, those kinds of things. Oh, very And how cool. to rehearse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how to rehearse, because that's the yeah. big one. Because this is not going away. No, no. And, and people are in denial if they think it is, because yeah. it's not. Yeah. And it will come back to the point where you will be able to, you know, get on-site, on-stage sure. gigs. But, but if you don't have the chops to do virtual, you're going to be missing out on a, a large portion of the opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, five masterminds and and conferences I'm teaching at in January. Every one of them is online. I mean, that's just the way. So, yeah, now's the time to take the action and get ready, right? If not last year. Yeah, it's five years late. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? Right. 20 years ago, when's the next best time right now? Yeah, yeah. So, well, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about all of this. It's been fun. Yeah, we'll have to have you back to give us part two. Sure. There's always more. There's always more. <laughs> There's always another layer. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you listeners for being here. It was great to have you. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab the voice formula a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.